Business and Buckets. We are live, episode 108, here in Phoenix, in the motherfucking desert. And boy, what a process it's been. I, I put up the kind of half-assed video on Saturday to make sure we got your MMA content coming towards you. Uh, but man, uh, this move is, has definitely been a lot of work. Um, as I moved in, a guy was mounting my TV, drilled through the HVAC line, messed up the AC, finally got that squared away, was outside before this, and I think the pool filter's broken and leaking everywhere. So joys of being in a house. I'm glad I am not the homeowner. Um, I could only imagine, I'm sure you homeowners tuning in, you could relate. If, if it's not one thing, it's another but we're here. We got the mountains back, baby. We got the studio set up. I'm in the lab putting out content. Next project, rebranding, spinning a new name, and making this the best version of an MMA podcast. Almost spoiled the name, but I'm waiting in case one of y'all motherfuckers try to steal my name. You know what I mean? Um, but wow, do we have a fucking card this weekend? And do we have a lot of MMA action? I'm wearing the lapel mic right now, as I didn't want to use the swing arms anymore. I just felt like it was an obstruction. It was kind of uncomfortable trying to get the right angle. I have some new table mics coming in. Uh, they should be in this week. So by next week, we should be up and running in here. Your boy's putting in the work. Now let's talk MMA. So actually, before we talk MMA, let's talk the one and only sponsor here at business and buckets and that's field supplements and uh gotta preach out to josh morin he lives here in phoenix uh helping me with field supplements he branched off and did a or started another business uh with our good friend evan called farm sushi i just ordered my first box of meat you got i got some liver i got some fire steaks some beef some um some ribs a little bit of everything, all beef from McCafferty, McCafferty Ranch in Montana, fresh beef, sprout finished, um, high quality shit, the best quality shit you could get. I'm sure we'll be, we'll be plugging Farm Sushi here in the future as we rebrand, but wanted to give that props out. I've been subscribing to ButcherBox. If you guys want high quality meats, not that bullshit store-bought meat, which I just am not a big fan of. Go to farmsushi.com, check them out. I posted some stuff on my Insta today, and this will be out tomorrow. It'll still be up there, so check it out. But regarding field supplements, I know for me, sleep has been a factor. As I started getting in my older 20s, now 30 years old, um, the dirty 30, I've been trying to dial in my sleep the past couple of years. I got better sheets, I got better pillows, I have a bed frame that goes up and down. I've tried to lock it in because sleep is that important, but one of the best things that I've had is this product knocked out. So if you guys have trouble sleeping, you wake up feeling groggy or didn't even feel like you slept, if you toss it, turn at night, it's time to get knocked out. It's back, the market's leading advanced sleep and recovery formula. Knocked out is now in stock with the facelift with two new flavors and an improved ingredient profile. Experience an unreal night's rest with this all-in-one sleep formula, superior recovery, muscle pair, pain relief, and anti-inflammation. Fall asleep faster, sleep deeper, and wake up feeling more refreshed. It also regulates depressive and sedative actions critical for relaxation. It decreases stress, anxiety, manages cortisol and adrenaline reset. 
Plus, it increases growth hormone production. You got two delicious flavors to suit your taste buds. You can watch your sleep improve, mood improve, productivity improve, and your life improve with Knocked Out. You can save some cash uh, when you go to fueledsupplements.com. Use my promotion code BUCKETS for 15% off. Once again, promotion code BUCKETS, B-U-C-K-E-T-S. But let's talk MMA. Man, I really hope this does become finalized. It seems like it's a rumor at this point. Charles Oliveira seems to not agree. But rumored in the works, Rafael Fiziev, Charles Oliveira, UFC 283, Rio de Janeiro. But he just fought. He's been through a, a lot of tough battles. I could understand him wanting some time off. But this was the fight I talked about last week that, or after the Oliveira fight that makes sense to me. High-level martial arts. Either way, Fazeev in the octagon, Oliveira in the octagon. You're tuning in. But both of them together is a goddamn banger. We have Gerald Mirshar and Abus Pian Magomedov. You get a Magomedov in there. You know it's a threat. GM3, he's an OG. Let's see if he could get a dub on his record. And one of the all-time most winningest fighters in MMA, Jim Miller taking on Gabriel Benitez. You got to respect Jim Miller going back in the octagon. He ain't done yet. Uh, Chase Sherman and Waldo Cortez Acosta squaring up. Chase just had his opponent, Josh Parisian, pull out. Insert Dana White Contender Series alum off a new UFC victory. Waldo's coming in. He's going to try to salsa on the vanilla gorilla. Banger. And then we have Warley Alves and Nicholas Dalby booked. That's going to be a great fight. So some good fights getting booked in as the new year has continually developed those cards, 283 and 284. And elsewhere in MMA, not necessarily UFC, Shane Burgos, ex-UFC vet, suffers an injury and pulls out of his PFL debut against Marlon Marias. Um, They already filled a new fight in for uh, Marlon. But uh, would have loved to see that fight. I'm kind of glad that they're not getting squared away right away. You know the PFL would love to have the UFC guys squared away. Well, Marlon Reyes gets a different opponent. Hopefully Shane Burgos can move his way up in one, uh, 155, maybe? 160, 155, I believe. And they could avoid having to go UFC, UFC right away. I'm all for it. Brutal that Shane got hurt, though. This past week, we had Fight Night Vegas 64, another Apex card. And this one was this one was a doozy. And I had some good picks on this one. I went 6-1 and one on my picks. The real big downfall for me um, um, what was... Uh, I'm already blanking. I didn't write it down. Oh, yeah. Was the main event. Uh, the main event bit me in the ass. The last leg of the parlay, um, you know... Give me a, a yeah, yeah if you've ever had that happen before too many damn times. But anyways, uh, some fights we didn't break down. There was a very nice win by Jake Hadley. I thought he performed really well. That fight went everywhere. He's definitely a, a fighter who's a, who I'm going to keep in my eye on in the future. Uh, Johnny Munoz with a nice win. And how about Pollyanna Viana, man? She came out guns a-blazing, got the quick knockout, and she's a viral sensation. And uh, she's already been known for going to viral with her OnlyFans. And she was clowning on um, uh, Colby Covington. 
I won't repeat what had been said. You could check her out on social media if you want to see. Uh, but, but she's definitely making a name for herself, that's for sure. And then um, Josh Parisian, as I mentioned, had pulled out of the fight the morning of against Chase Sherman. I believe it was injury-related. And five fighters, not one, not two, five fighters missed weight on this card. All but the Chase Sherman fight actually went through. The only one you kind of give credit for is for Grant Dawson, who had a short notice fight. But that's wild. And that's why I tell you to wait on the parlays. You never know. Wait, misses, fight cancellations. There's a whole a whole spiel there. Um, we're going to start in the prelims, though. Mario Batista. Golly, man. Round one submission via an armbar over Benito Lopez. This was a performance of the night, and deservedly so. Um, man, I mean, Mario's grappling has really delivered of late. He was able to find himself on top. He was transitioning masterfully between positions and submission attempts. I thought it, it looked like, you know, he was a, a first-degree black belt out there. And to be honest, he's becoming quite the well-rounded fighter. After the fight, he asked for a top 15 opponent or someone close. And I think he's shown that he's des uh, he deserves it with his performances of late. Subbing Brian Kelleher, now Benito Lopez, and making it look easy. I see you, Mario. But statistically, Mario landed 49 total and 44 significant strikes with three submission attempts and a takedown compared to Benito's 17 total and significant strikes. So now Mario extends his winning streak to three. All this year, talk about a fucking year, and Benito starts a new losing streak. He is three and two overall in the UFC. So what's next? I'd love to see Bautista square up against Rayoni Barcelos. What a scrap that would be. And for Benito, how about John Castaneda? I think that would be a good scrap as well. All right. Fix my mic here. Getting too turned up, you know. And then we had Miranda Maverick with a unanimous decision over Shanna Young. And, uh... You know, for, for casual fight fans, I'm sure they didn't enjoy it or maybe even watch this fight because all it was was Miranda wrestling Shanna on her way to victory. And I, I really do respect Miranda. I think she's talented, but I just didn't, I wasn't that impressed from this performance. She only had one submission attempt, controlled almost the whole fight on top. If you're going to grapple like that, this is literally not wrestling. I want to see some action, some, some more grounded pound, some more devastating damage or some submission attempts. It just seemed like she is pretty much fighting as conservative as possible, trying to get that dub and move on, which I respected. I've not been in those shoes. I've not been in the UFC. I know how little money they make and how hard it is to put fight in, fight out. And you take an L, it really ruins her career. She was a high prospect, took a couple L's. You know, now she's not talked about as much. She's got to get those victories. But it's almost like the Dana White Contender Series situation. If you want to build your brand, you got to fucking show out. And sometimes you got to put some chances out there. And she didn't do that. I, I wasn't too impressed. Statistically, though, she did land 172 total strikes, 63 significant with that submission attempt. And she had five takedowns and eight attempts. So got them pretty, pretty easily. And Shanna only had 29 total and significant strikes. She was trying to defend the wrestling and get off her back the whole fight. So 172 total, a lot of them were just kind of chip shots to the body and whatnot, trying to score. And 63 significant, 
right? Three full rounds, 15 minutes. Again, I would have liked to see a little bit more, but she does get the win. We might forget about this in a couple fights. She extends her winning streak to two this year in 2022. And Shanna starts a new losing streak and goes one and one in 2022. So what's next? I, I think a little grappler versus grappler actions in store. I would love to see Miranda take on Cynthia Cavillo. Uh, wow. I mean, uh, the veteran OG versus the up and comer. That, that would be fun. And, you, you know, let's see who the better grappler is. Uh, but sometimes grappler grappler equals a fucking jam pack striking affair. Wouldn't mind that either. Um, and then for Shanna, if she's still fighting in the UFC, uh, Ji Young Kim makes sense. Um, but we'll see. You know, she's only one and one this year. It's not that bad. Uh, but she doesn't have uh, a massively impressive um, last few fights coming in. And that was it for the prelims. And the main card uh, really did deliver, honestly. We had Grant Dawson with a third round submission via rear naked choke over Mark the Olympian Madsen. And uh, this fight kind of, if you would have watched the first 10 minutes, or not even 10 minutes, the first minute of this fight, you would have thought it went a completely different way. Not only did Grant get rocked right out the gate, Mark put a huge shot on him, uh, put him down, but he was able to, to, to chill out a little bit, find a way to be able to recover. And then he put on a clinic of his own against a wrestler. Not only a clinic, but a grappling clinic against an Olympian medalist. Obviously, that's freestyle wrestling or Greco-Roman wrestling. Uh, excuse me. But there's a big difference between MMA wrestling and grappling and Greco-Roman. But I'm going to say that was impressive nonetheless. And you could tell Grant was hyped about it in the after the fight. Statistically, he landed 73 total and 33 significant strikes with two takedowns and six attempts. So, you know, it's not like he was 100% on takedowns, but again, against an Olympic medalist and a guy who fucked him up right out the gates, massively impressive. Uh, he did have two submission attempts and, the knock, and, and a knockdown of his own. While Mark landed 50 total and 15 significant strikes. So obviously Grant outstruck him, outwrestled him. What a fucking show by KGD. So Grant extends his winning streak to 10. He did have a draw in there, but we'll give him the winning streak of 10. And Mark suffers his first loss. He goes 4-1 overall in the UFC. Either way, both of these guys are a fucking problem. But bravo, Grant Dawson. And, and he could have easily wrestled his way to victory like Miranda did, but he went out there. He wanted to put on a show. He wants to be in the top 15. You got to go for it. Um, and, and Grant did, after the fight, call for a top 15 fight. I think that might be a little early. This division has a lot of dogs in it. But uh, I think jo uh, Joel Alvarez would be a banger. That would be a scrap. Both guys young and hungry. I would love to see that. And for Mark, how about Joe Selecki? Either way, again, these guys grace the octagon. You got to tune in. And then we had Tagir Ulenbekov with a first round submission via guillotine choke over Nate Maness. And... Um, there, there wasn't much here as Tagir dominated the fight and was able to get uh, a quick guillotine choke. And he said after Umar prepped him on his potential submission. Um, so that was very interesting. I had talked about them being teammates coming in, but he was able to prep him on a potential submission. So, so I definitely thought that was interesting. 
Um, and I kind of expected him to have a little inside track here. But Tagir is a problem. But the way he was able to finish Nate so quickly, super impressed. Statistically, Tagir landed um, nine total and four significant strikes with a takedown in two attempts. And he had the one submission attempt compared to Nate's 23 total strikes and four significant. So, um, Tagir Olenbekov, I'm sure we'll see him um, back in the octagon um, soon. I, I, I think you just got to give major props to Team AKA and what they're doing. Um, I was going to pull up his topology real quick. So, he had lost to Tim, Elli Tim Elliott. Uh, he beat Alan Nascimento, Bruno Silva um, uh, before coming from GFC. So I'm sure we'll see him in the octagon again. And for Nate Maness, tough loss going down to flyweight. I think they showed him after hydrating. He was up to like 170 pounds. So he is fucking massive. Uh, that, that was just crazy. Uh, but excited to see what's next for these guys. And then we had Neil Magny with a third round submission via Bravo choke over Daniel Rodriguez. Another performance of the night. And um, this fight went down how I thought it would. Uh, Neil putting his will into Daniel. He was relentless with the wrestling, with his strikes. Uh, while Daniel was against the cage, he really wouldn't let him get comfortable and, and um, slang and bang because Daniel likes to do that. But as I expected, he was going to be a volume monster and find a way to victory. I wasn't sure if he would get the finish because D-Rod's a tough son bitch, but he got it. And statistically, Neil landed 106 total and 57 significant strikes with five takedowns and seven attempts. And then he had a submission attempt as well. Meanwhile, Daniel had 71 total and 66 significant strikes while going 0 for 1. So Daniel, you know, as per usual, still had, uh, you know, some strikes of his own, but wasn't able to win round over round. Neil pretty much um, dominated and, and put his will on him. So Neil starts a new winning streak. He goes to 2-1 in 2022, and he stays at number 13 in the rankings. While Daniel starts a new losing streak, he goes 1-1 one one this year, and he moves down one spot to number 15. So what's next? Well, I'd love to see Neil Magny and Vicente Luque go at it while Daniel can fight Gunnar Nelson. Um, but Neil Magny, Vicente Luque, come on! Give the people what they want. Dana, Sean... You know, the whole squad, that's the fight to make. And come on, Daniel Gunner Nelson. Gunner been out for some time, had a fight back in action. Um, we'd love to see it. Then we have the main event. Again, the implications of this fight, massive. Well, Amanda Lemos with a third round TKO over Marina Rodriguez. And round one, you could tell. Uh, you know, it almost gave me flashbacks of Rose Dama Yunus and Carla Esparza. I said, no, not again. And DC's like, they got to fight. You want to win, you got to fight. You got to get an effort. Because uh, they were filling themselves out. There's so much at stake. Um, they didn't really want, you know, to, to take uh, a high amount of risks. At the end of round one, Marina had a little flurry. I think that helped her still round one. So she's up round one to zero. Round two, you're kind of interested to see what happens. Well, Lamos got a takedown, got a deep body triangle in, was able to control her for most of the round. And um, you would assume that that would have grinded out the, the gas tank of Marina a little bit, but she's a volume monster as well. 
Well, round three, the one thing she had to avoid was Amanda's power, and she had a massive shot that rocked Marina. It didn't knock her out. She was still somewhat there. You know, DC on the commentary is like, oh, she's in, in Jupiter right now. She's out of it. But to me, if you're still standing up, you're still trying to cover, yeah, you could be pretty much done and probably finished. But in a, a fight of this stakes, I would have liked to see it go a little bit longer. Um, but she was, you know, completely wobbled. The, the, the judges decided to call the fight. Amanda uh, with an amazing celebration. But again, you could debate. It could have went longer. Um, if it did, I'm sure with Lane Moshe's power, you know, one more big shot really would have completely shut the lights off. And the, the official could have just saved her some, some personal damage. So tough call. I would have liked to see it go a little longer. Statistically, Marina landed 44 total strikes, 19 of those significant, compared to Amanda's 43 total and 29 significant strikes with a takedown of her own in two attempts, and she also had a submission attempt. So now Marina starts a new losing streak. She finishes 2022 one and one, and she moves down two spots in the rankings to number five, and Amanda extends her winning streak to two and finishes 2022 Two and one moves four spots to up four spots to number three and uh, pushing for a title. You know, reviewing, thinking about this fight again, I think obviously Marina respected the power that Lamos had, and she really didn't open up and look like herself as she normally did as a striker against a dangerous Mackenzie Dern, against all the fucking killers that she had just gone through. She didn't quite open up. She didn't look like the Marina Rodriguez that we're used to. Um, but at this point, I think Amanda should get the winner of Esparza and Waylay. And uh, for Marina, I'd love to see her take on Rose Nama Yunus. Stylistically, that's like the woman's version of Chandler Poirier. I'm all about it. That's a ton of fun. And sign me the fuck up. But no more fight nights. Pay-per-view action. My first pay-per-view in the desert. MSG. Prelims on ESPN News starting at 5 p.m. Pacific time. I am now in mountain time. No daylight savings times for us. That was definitely trippy. Um, but some good fights early on that we aren't going to break down. You have Julio Ars and Montel Jackson. It's worth tuning into. And the undefeated Atman Azatar versus Matt Frivola. Two guys with a, a promising starts to their fighting career. Um, you know, a winner there could definitely potentially be a, a high-level prospect coming in. But we're going to start in the early prelims. I believe this is the first fight on the card. We got Carlos, the Black Jag Alberg, 31 years old with a 7-1 record, taking on Nikolai Nigamaranu, 28 years old with a 13-1 record. And uh, what a fight to start in an early prelims, man. I mean... This fight's going to be a banger. I wouldn't expect it to go the distance whatsoever. You know, that's a good uh, prop bet to put in. Uh, it's probably not very good odds, though. But Olberg and Nikolai possess some serious power. I like the movement and the ability of Niga Murano a little bit more than Olberg. Uh, but I'm going to assume Carlos comes out aggressive. He's, you know, he's the first fighter of city kickboxing. He's setting the tone for the team. And, and you know he's going to want to perform. You are in MSG in front of thousands, tens of thousands of fans, I'm sure that's going to bring a little spice to you. And you're setting the tone for the whole night. I, th I think he's going to come out a little aggressive, maybe empty the gas tank a little too early. 
Uh, Nikolai is going to be able to weather the storm and be able to use his footwork and power to his advantage. But when we break it down, obviously, Carlos trains out of city kickboxing. He's on a two-fight winning streak, and he is 3-1 in the UFC. Three of his five wins are via knockout, and he is a Dana White Contender Series alum. Nikolai has a freestyle wrestling background. He was a gold medalist in the Romania Senior National Championship in freestyle wrestling in 2018. He is on a four-fight winning streak. He's 4-1 in the UFC, and eight of his 13 wins are via knockout. I think this is a big fight for both men, especially Olberg, who needs to string together some wins. He's in his prime. It's the time to start capitalizing. He wants to, if he wants to enter the rankings, the time is now. And that's why I think we might see him be a little bit over-aggressive. But I'm going to take the dog. Let's get these odds up. I'm taking a lot of dogs. I don't know if it's just I haven't learned. But some of these pay-per-views, I just feel a certain way sometimes. And I really honestly do. I'm not trying to purposely take the dogs. I think Nikolai Niger Muranu is going to win. And um, he right now is a plus 105 dog. So it's not like they think that this is a crazy mismatch. But I'm taking the dog. We're putting him on our parlay. We marking that ish down. And you know, we getting that bread. Moving on. We got Michael the Lone Wolf Trezano. 30-year-old fighter with a 10-3 record. Taking on Singwoong Sting Choi. The 30-year-old fighter with a 10-5 record. Now this is a very important fight for both fighters as they are in their fighting primes and are in desperate need of some positive momentum. Michael trains out of Tiger Shulman. He is an ultimate fighter, alum, and a champion. He is on a two-fight losing streak, and he is a Ring of Combat alum and former champion. Soon is a Muay, has a Muay Thai background. He got the bronze at the 2010 Muay Thai World Championships. He is on a two-fight losing streak. Six of his ten wins are via knockout. And he has a three and a half inch reach advantage and a three inch leg reach advantage. Now, I really do believe Sing Song Wu is going to have the striking advantage here. He also has the reach advantage. So he's going to want to keep Trezano at range. But Trezano's a dog. Um, I think Trezano is going to be able to take some shots to get in range. And he's probably going to look to wrestle in this fight um, and not allow Choi to kickbox him from distance. Seems like a good game plan, but you never know. But I really do think this should be a very good fight. It's a tough fight to pick, but I think Trezano is going to find a way. Choi is battle-tested. He's fought some great opponents, so really going to see who's ready to take a next step at their, in their career. Again, Trezano, Choi, both 30 years old. The time is now, kind of like the Olberg situation. But I'm taking another dog. I'm taking the lone wolf, Michael Trezano. I'm putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down and we getting that bread. I promise I'm not taking all dogs, but you know. They're out to eat. We got Carolina Kowalsiewicz, the 37-year-old fighter with a 14-7 record, taking on Silvana Lalmalvada Gomez Juarez, the 37-year-old fighter with a 7-4 record. A little bit different than the previous fights. Here we get a matchup, two veteran women, battle-tested, and I really do think this is going to be a fun back-and-forth affair, and the loser may be close to the exit of their UFC career. So, 
although they're not in their primes, still a lot at stake. Carolina has a Muay Thai background. She is an Invicta alum. She's on a one-fight winning streak, but was on a five-fight losing streak before that. Silvana has a Kung Fu and boxing background. She's on a one-fight winning streak and is one and two in the UFC. She's an Invicta alum. Seven of her 11 wins are via knockout, and two of her four losses are via submission. I think Carolina looked really improved in her last fight. She talked about working with Joanna Young Jacek, two Poland alums, and she's fought a lot of top competition in the UFC in her career. I think that's going to help her in this fight. I think she's going to find a way to, to victory, out volume Silvana, get another dub, keep this momentum train rolling. I'm going with Carolina. I'm putting her on our on my parlay. We marking that ish down and we getting that bread. And like I said, she's not a dog. You know, she's only minus 115, but she's not a dog. And uh, that just sets us up to get into the prelims. That's just the early prelims. MSG, Cardi Year, you already know that shit's going down. Holiday season typically. We gotta tune in. And I'm not streaming this shit. I'm paying for it. 82 inch, new house, wall mounted, new couches coming in, surround sound, all to myself. You know, I'm out here, don't hardly know anybody. A couple of my friends are out of town that are from here. But I'm going to have a fucking day. Going to have a day. I need it after all this house shit. Just need to put my feet up and watch some brawl. But let's talk about the prelims. We got Andre Petrosky, the 31-year-old fighter with an 8-2 record, taking on Wellington, the prodigy Terman, the 26-year-old fighter with an 18-5 record. And this really is a classic striker versus grappler affair to kick off the prelims. I like Wellington's career potential more than Andre. I think he's gritty. He's well-rounded. But I'm not sure if he could really hang with the wrestling that Petrovsky is about to bring. And I can promise you he's going to look to get it to the ground. Both men are on a roll. Andre's in his prime at 31. And Terman's just barely scratching the surface at 26. So I think this is going to be a great affair to start the prelims. Andre, obviously, a wrestling background. He trains at Arenzo Gracie Philly. He's got a brown belt in BJJ. He's an ultimate fighter and LFA alum. He's on a three-fight winning streak, and four of his eight wins are via knockout. Wellington, he has a BJJ background. He trains at a Teixeira MMA, so him and Pieta go into work. This is the teammate numero uno. He has a black belt in BJJ. He's on a two-fight winning streak, and eight of his 18 wins are via submission. Four of them via knockout, so 12 of his 18 fights via finish. This is going to be a scrap. Both fighters have some good jiu-jitsu. I like the striking of Wellington more than I do Petrosky. I'm sure, again, Andre's going to look to get this to the ground. I've gone back and forth in picks here. I've already taken a couple dogs, putting them on a parlay. I'm going to take Wellington, but I'm avoiding this on the parlay. Wellington right now is a plus 175 dog, but I'm taking Terman and we're taking him in the picks. And then we have Molly Meatball McCann, 
the 32-year-old fighter with a 13-4 and record and the number 15 next to her name versus Aaron Cold-Blooded Blanchfield, 23 years old with a 9-1 and record and the number 12 next to her name. I think this is a very interesting fight, a lot closer than what the odds are saying in my opinion. Aaron is definitely shown to be very well-rounded. She's really early in her career and she's beaten good grapplers already. I don't think she has faced the level of striker that Molly is about to bring, though. You know, Molly, she's a purple belt in BJJ. She's on a three-fight winning streak, two of them being performance of the nights and one being fight of the night. So she's been putting on a show. She's a Cage Warriors alum and former champion, and six of her 13 wins are via knockout. Now, Aaron trains at Renzo Gracie Academy. She's a black belt in BJJ. She's an Invicta and Cage Fury alum. She's on a six-fight winning streak, and she has a four-inch reach advantage. Now, Erin has definitely looked all the part of a legit prospect in the flyweight division. I just don't think she's going to be able to keep up with Molly, and uh, I don't think she's going to be able to keep her down. I think Molly's going to come out to be very aggressive. I mean, she's definitely done that of late. And I think she's going to look to get the finish. She's an MSG. She's been putting on a show Two performance of the nights, one fight of the night. Something about pay-per-view cards. I don't know what it is, but I'm riding with the dog. I'm riding with Meatball at a freaking plus 310. You can't. I, I, I really hope Molly shows out. Because plus 310, a 23-year-old black belt in jiu-jitsu. You know, Aaron, you're a great fighter, a great career ahead of you. But you're fighting a very well, a very well-rounded striker in her prime at 32. I'm going with the meatball. We're putting her on that parlay as a plus 310. We're inflating that fucking cash flow. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Moving on, we got Dominic, the Devastator Reyes, 32 years old, a 12 and three record, and the number seven next to his name, taking on Ryan. Superman Span, the 31-year-old fighter with a 20-7 and record and the number 12 next to his name. Now, it's been over a year since we saw Dominic Reyes back in the octagon. So it's been some time. It was some time before that. I'm just really excited to see what he can do. He's talked about reinventing himself. He's in his prime at 32. The problem is, is he's coming back and taking on fucking Superman who has some legit uh, power and in his, is in his prime as well. And he has shown drastic improvement from fight, to f- from fight to fight, if you ask me. Dominic, he's a southpaw fighter. He's a blue belt in BJJ. He's on a three-fight losing streak, but that's against the best of the best. We're talking John Jones, Jan Blachowicz, Yuri Proshaka. I think I said this a while back. I got to bring it up. Shit's funny. Every time I see Jan Blakovich, I used to watch uh, fights with one of my good friends in Seattle. Shout out Dave. Uh, he was more of a casual fan though. And he saw Blakovich's name. It's B-L-A-C-H-O-W-I-C-Z. And he's like, yeah, I want Jan Blastovich. Blastovich. I was like, oh, Blastovich. So every time I see Jan Blakovich, I think Jan Blastovich, Yuri Prashaka. Regardless, Dominic Reyes has fought some fucking studs. He hasn't won since October of 2019. 
He is an LFA and King of the Cage alum. Seven of his 12 wins are via knockout, and two of his three losses are also via knockout. Ryan, he's a blue belt in BJJ. Two of his last three fights have been performance of the night. He's an LFA alum and former champion. He is also a Dana White Contender Series alum. 12 of his 20 wins are via submission, five via knockout. So 17 of his 20 fights have been via finish. And he is on a one fight winning streak. In my opinion, if Dominic wants to continue being the best at light heavyweight, he has to get a win here. He has to have, he's shown the potential. He's got to deliver. I think he knows that. That's why he's been reinventing himself. And it wasn't going to be easy. He can't put himself in danger here. Ryan has massive fucking shots. And he could get in danger real fucking quick. He's taken some big shots. I do believe that Dominic is more well-rounded though. I think he will find a way to victory. Probably a decision. And I'm really excited to see what version we're going to see out of him. Either way... I'm taking the Dominator. He is a Ve the Vegas favorite. We putting him on our parlay. We marking that ish down. And we getting that bread. Moving on. Another City Kickboxing team member. Brad. Quake Riddell. 31 years old. With a 10-3 record. Taking on Renato Moicano. 33 years old. With a 16-5-1 record. This fight is, is, it has massive outcomes. I know I've said that a lot. But really in this fight, again, two men in their prime. They're trying to get on the momentum train. They're trying to get back on track. And they've shown so much potential. I've seen Brad. I've been super hyped about him. I picked him over Jalen Turner. He's, he's fought some studs. Renato Moicano has fought some dogs. He's a dog. Uh, you know. They're in the toughest division in the UFC, in my opinion. The lightweight division just is so talented. When we look at it, again, Brad has a kickboxing background. He trains out of city kickboxing. He's a purple belt in BJJ. Brutal two-fight losing streak to Rafael Faziv and Jalen Turner. He is 4-2 in the UFC. Five of his 10 wins are via knockout. And two of his three losses are via submission. Renato, he trains out of ATT. He's got a black belt in BJJ and in Muay Thai. He is a jungle fight alum and former champion. And nine of his 16 wins are via submission. Three of his five losses are also via knockout. He's been able to submit, but he has been resilient to the, or hasn't quite been resilient to the knockout. As a, as a guy that could kickbox though, against a kickboxer, he has a four and a half inch leg reach advantage. I really like the potential of both fighters. It's another very hard fight to pick, especially what's at stake. I mean, these guys got to dig deep. They got to find a way. They got to take some chances. I think they're pretty even strikers, but I would go with Riddell having more power and Moicano being a little bit faster. Brad is smaller, per usual. He's 5'7", like your boy. But he has struggled against really good grapplers. I think Moicano finds a way to get the fight to the mat, grind out Brad's gas tank, and find a way to victory. For that purpose, I'm taking Renato. I'm not putting him on a parlay, but I'm taking Moicano for the picks. And now we're in the main card. That's just the prelims and the early prelims. We got a day on Saturday, college football. Again, all the shit I've been doing, I'm ready 
to Aaron Rodgers, relax. R-E-L-A-X. But in the main card, we got Dan, the hangman hooker, 32 years old, a 21 and 12 record, and the number 12 next to his name. There's a lot of 12 ranked fighters on this card. Kind of funny. Taking on Claudio Prince of Peru Puez, the 26 year old fighter with a 13 and 2 record. And, uh, you know, as hyped as Dan was at one point in his career, I think this is a must win fight for him. Like an absolutely must win fight. Unless you want to just be a random dude and potentially get cut. You can't live in the city kickboxing shadow. You got to perform MSG in front of the fucking big, one of the biggest uh, crowds that the UFC has. You got to show out. To Dan's credit, he's fought top level competition. He's supposed to be top level competition though. And he's struggled. But you can't lose three in a row and five of your last six fights in the UFC. You just can't do it. I mean, look, at they released Nick Maximov, Christoph Jocko, some pretty good guys. And he's even tried to change weight classes. He moved back up because that didn't work very well. I'm sure the weight cut was hard on him. But when we look at Dan, he's an orthodox fighter. He trains where? City kickboxing. He's got a purple belt in BJJ. He's on a two-fight losing streak. Ten of his 21 wins are via knockout. Seven of the 21 wins via submission. So he's finished 17 of his 21 fights. He does have a three inch reach advantage and a two and a half leg inch reach advantage as well. Claudio trains out of Killcliffe FC. He has a purple belt in Luta Livre. He is an ultimate fighter, Latin American alum and final participation participant. He's on a five fight winning streak. Seven of his 12 wins are via submission. And his only loss in the UFC this far was the Ultimate Fighter finale. Claudio has definitely been a submission stud, clearly, 7-12. You know, I've been picking down a lot. Been biting me in the ass. I just don't see how Claudio is going to be able to handle Dan in a must-win situation. He's going to come out. He's a dog. He's well-rounded. And uh, this is that get-back-on-track fight for Dan. I'm sure they, they set him up for this one for a reason. It's a prove-it fight for Poyas, though. If Poyas can get this victory, his stock just skyrocketed. But I'm going with the hangman. Let's see, is he a favorite? He is a favorite. We're putting Dan on our parlay, though. We marking the hangman down, and we getting this bread. Give me a little sippy of water. All right. Got our prep, because these ones, we got some fights, boys. We get... Frankie Edgar, 41 years old, 23-10-1 record. Again, a number 12 next to his name. Lots of 12s. He's taking on Chris El Guapo Gutierrez, 31 years old with an 18-3-2 record. And this is officially Edgar's retirement fight at MSG, close to home, close to Jersey. Obviously, the fans look crazy. I watched the... Um, Press conference before this. Press conferences haven't been that great of late, but someone asked John Anik to put Frankie Edgar's career in words, and the way he said it, I fucking loved it. He said everyone was a Chuck Liddell fan until Frankie Edgar. I feel a little bit differently as a PJ Penn fan. He kind of ended PJ's career realistically, but he's a fucking dog. He's just a hard worker. He goes, he runs to the octagon. He is as blue collar as it gets. You got to respect him. 
Bravo, Frankie Edgar. Bravo. What a fucking career. And uh, at his age, man, I thought Frankie looked good against Marlon Vera last year. I think he's going to be a handful. Chris is no joke. He's in his prime. But you never want to doubt Mr. fucking Frankie Edgar. Let's go down his accolades. He's an orthodox fighter. Frankie's a first-degree black belt in BJJ. He has a D1 wrestling background out of Clarion University of Pennsylvania. He's an ultimate fighter and ring of combat alum. He's the former lightweight champion, three successful title defenses overall. He's tied for the most fight of the night bonuses in UFC history with eight with Nate Diaz. He has the greatest total fight time in UFC history with under eight hours. Eight hours damn near. It's like 7.55, I believe. About to get the eight hour mark. That's insane. The fucking mileage. Frankie Edgar. The uh, 2011 fight of the year against Gray Maynard. If you haven't watched it, fucking tune in. Get fight pass. Figure it out. The 2014 All-Violence Team. The 2017 Beatdown of the Year against Yair Rodriguez. The 2012 Fight of the Year against Benson Henderson. He is on a two-fight losing streak. He hasn't won since August of 2020. Seven of his 24 wins are via knockout. Four of his 10 losses are also via knockout. Chris trains out of Factory X. He's a purple belt in BJJ. He's on a six-fight winning streak. He had a draw in there, but as long as he ain't losing, I'm keeping your winning streak alive. Eight of his 18 wins are via knockout, and he is an LFA and World Series of Fighting alum. Now, Chris is on a good run, but can he handle the pressure that Frankie is about to deliver in his last outing of that history career in only three rounds? I think as long as Edgar doesn't get too out of control and put himself in a bad spot, What's, he's the veteran. He, he knows better than anyone. I think Frankie's going to find a way to victory, put a nice little bow on his career, and guess what? He's a dog. We taking him. Frankie's eating. We putting him on that parlay, and we getting that bread. Let's go, Frankie. And moving on to the, uh, as Michael Chandler said, the fans fight of the night. This is the man's man's fight. I can't wait. We get Dustin the Diamond Poirier, 33 years old, with a 28-7 and record, and the number two next to his name, taking on Michael Iron Chandler, the uh, 36-year-old fighter, with a 23-7 and record, and the number five next to his name. And man, oh man, is this going to be a banger. I think... That the three-round idea definitely benefits Chandler a little bit. But I do think Dustin's a better striker. Chandler's a dog. He covers ground quick. But Dustin has got the whole fucking package. His boxing skills. His movement skills. I just really respect what he does. If Mike wants to be a fan favorite fighter, which has definitely been his downfall of late, he's going to go in there, go into a kickboxing war, and I think that favors Dustin. If he mixes things in and tries to wrestle Dustin, it gets a lot more interesting. I do think no matter what happens, the fight's going to start with some insane volume and aggressiveness out the gates. 
And this is going to be a fight. You can't fucking blink. You can't blink because you're going to miss something. Dustin, he trains out of ATT. He's a black belt in BJJ. He's a former interim lightweight champion. He has the most knockout victories in UFC lightweight division history with eight. He had the 2018 fight of the year against Justin Gaethje. He is coming off a loss against Charles Oliveira. His only losses are to Charles Oliveira and Khabib Nurmagomedov since 2016. So, I mean, fucking the highest of high level. 14 of his 28 wins are via knockout. Seven of his 28 wins are also via submission. So 21 of his 28 wins via finish. And three of his seven losses are via submission. I don't think we have to worry about Chandler submitting him, though. He is a WEC alum, a fucking OG. He has a three-inch leg advantage and the official hot sauce of the UFC officially recently. Bravo. Now, Michael... He has a D1 wrestling background out of Missouri where he earned the fifth place his senior year. He trains out of Killcliffe FC, which I'll say it probably one more time, but uh, that used to be Samford, MMA, dogs. He trains, or he has the 2021, has the 2021 fight of the year against Justin Gaethje. You're fighting the highlight, you're getting fight of the year. If you're going to scrap with the dog, you're going to get fight of the year. Dustin got it with Gaethje. Chandler got it with Gaethje. Now they're probably about to get it with themselves. Chandler is a Bellator alum and former champion with three total title defenses. He has the most submission wins in Bellator lightweight division division history with six. He's tied with David Rickles for the second most fights in Bellator history with 23. He's tied with Patricio Frieri for the most stoppage wins in Bellator MMA history with 13. He has the most stoppage wins in Bellator lightweight division with 10. The second most title bouts in Bellator MMA history with 11. The most wins in Bellator lightweight history with 15. And the second most wins in Bellator MMA history with 18. He was the 2011 Breakthrough Fighter of the Year. He's on a one-fight winning streak. 11 of his 23 wins are via knockout. 7 of his 23 via submission. So 18 of his 23 fights via finish. 4 of his 7 losses are via knockout. And he is also a strike force alum. (coughs) Excuse me. A strike force alum. And again, these guys don't have much left to prove. They've done everything and anything. But they're wanting to prove themselves against each other. They have a little bit of beef. I don't know if... (coughs) Jesus. I don't know if I really believe in the beef. They both seem like good guys. I'm sure they'd be homies. They're trying to sell the fight. They're trying to make some paper. And I don't fucking blame them. But here they are. They're finally squaring up. Both men have been in a lot of wars. Both men have delivered and taken a lot of damage. And, uh... You'd think one of their chins can only take just a few more shots. I said this about Dustin in a second McGregor fight. Well, technically his third McGregor fight, but second of late. Connor ended up snapping his leg. But if someone could land some massive shots on Dustin, I'm a little worried about his chin. Same with Chandler. Chandler, since he's been in the UFC, he's trying to make some money. He's just coming out like a fucking shark. 
and uh, you get a, la a clean shot on Michael, it might be night-night. I like Dustin's boxing more. I like his MMA skills a little bit more than Chandler just overall. But again, Chandler has one advantage. That's his wrestling. If he takes Dustin down, he gets him on the canvas and does it over and over, things get interesting very quickly because we've seen Dustin lose to people like that. He got taken down by Charles. He got choked out. Taken down by Khabib. He got choked out. He has pretty solid takedown defense, but I'm assuming Michael could probably get it done and he could probably get it done over and over. You do that, you tire him out, it becomes interesting. I don't think Chandler's gonna do that though. His pride, his ego, his dog in him, it's barking, right? He's having to hold it back. It's got one of those spiked collars. It fucking hurts. He don't care. For that reason, I'm taking the diamond. We're putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Woo, I can't wait for that fucking fight. Fired up, fired up. And then we got two title fights. We're not done. We got Zhang, Magnum, Wei Lei, 33 years old with a 22 and three record, taking on Carla, the cookie monster Esparza, 35 years old with a 20 and six record and the number two next to her name. Now this fight could be interesting. I expect Wei Lei to be aggressive early. I think she's gonna uh, get a finish in this fight. And I love Esparza. You got to give her the respect that she deserves. She's a fucking OG. She paved the path for every other woman following her. And uh, really is just the OG of women's MMA. The first ultimate fighter for women that led to the strawweight championship. She won it. She defended it. A great story. But again, people are a little bit different today. And Zhang's skill set is different. If Carla gets takedown after takedown, she keeps Zhang down there. There's definitely a chance, but I'm not betting on that. Zhang trains out of fight ready. She's a purple belt in BJJ. She is a former strawweight champion. She's the first ever Chinese champion in UFC history. She had the 2020 fight of the year against Joanna Young Jacek. What a fucking fight that was. Uh, she was on, she's on a one fight winning streak after back-to-back -back losses to Rose Name Yunus. She should be the champ still, but hey, here we are. Um, she could thank Pat Berry for that. 11 of her 23 wins are via knockout, seven via submission. So, um, 18 of her 23 fights via finish. Now, Carla, clearly wrestling in BJJ background, the cookie monster. She's a brown belt in BJJ. She has an NAIA wrestling background out of Menlo College. She's the ultimate fighter 20 winner. Bellator Invicta alum and an Invicta former champion. She's the former strawweight champion with two total title defenses. She's tied with Joanna for the most wins in the women's strawweight division history with 10. She has the most takedowns in UFC women's strawweight division history with 44. And the longest time between title reigns in UFC history, 2,612 days. She got it back. Barely fought Rose, so they gave it to her. She's back. This is a big moment for her. She's the 2014 Female Fighter of the Year, and she's on a six-fight winning streak. Now, Carla got wins over some talented strikers lately. Alexa Grasso, Michelle Watterson, Marina Rodriguez, and Jan Chignon. Mostly, though, besides um, the Jan fight, 
she grappled them, right? She grappled them. She took them down. She won very close split decisions. These weren't unanimous decisions. These weren't, you know, a, a, a waxing job. Um, she TKO'd Yan, but I just don't think she's going to be able to do that against Wei Lei. If Zhang loses this fight, I think her title shot days are probably gone. They're sunset. She's got to bring the fight to Carla. She knows that. She's usually the aggressor. And to me, if Carla wins on the other spectrum, I think this is boosting her stock as one of the greatest women strawweight fighter ever. I mean, we have Ioana. You have... Um... Jesus, why am I blanking on her? Uh... Holly Holm beat her. I can't... Armbar queen. I See, I can't even remember her, but... There's some women that are up there. I mean, there's Amanda Nunez probably way up here, uh, Valentina than everybody else. But but Carla's right there. You beat Wei Lei, you're really boosting your stock. I mean, to be able to go through a gauntlet of Wei Lei, Jan Chignon, Alexa Grasso, Michelle Waterson, Marina Rodriguez, and more in the gas tank, we, we got to start giving Carla respect. I know the last fight was, was not a doozy, but she comes out and waxes Wei Lei, Golly, we still got to put some respect on her name, but enough of that because I'm taking Waylay. We're putting her on that parlay. We marking that ish down and we getting that bread. Let's see, what is she? She doesn't even have the odds on here. UFC Vegas odds. I'm sure Waylay is the favorite, right? Yeah, minus 400. You almost can't even put her on a parlay. At that rate, I might not put her on the parlay. We'll see if um, DraftKings has the same odds. Maybe they change. But, you know, I ain't putting it in till Friday. But I'll give you guys my picks, right? Again, about to be doing some rebranding. I want to tell you the name. I want to show you the logo. But I got to do this shit right. Right? We have the holidays coming up. I just moved across the country. I got a lot going on. But I'm going to rebrand. I'm going to start doing... Um, a, a bunch of betting stuff, giving you guys all my slips now that we have DraftKings legally here. I could send out my slips. I'm just excited for the future. You guys like what I have to say? You like this energy? You like that? You like the UFC? Some fight companions? You never know. I, I'm right out here by the MMA lab trying to connect with some fighters, get some fighter stories to you. I'm fucking fired up. Stay tuned. But we have the main event of the evening and... The two fighters which this card was made and probably one of the most hyped up like storylines in the UFC for quite some time. We get Israel, the last style bender, Adesanya, 33 years old with a 23 and one record, taking on Alex Potan Pieta, 35 years old with a six and one record and the number four next to his name. Now, really because of the history with Izzy, this has allowed Pieta, Pieta the opportunity to get the title shot so quickly. Yes, did he look good? But no many, not many people, what was it, a second or third fight, barely beat Bruno Silva, get leapfrogged to a top five opponent then directly to a title fight. This is to make some motherfucking money. MSG, Dana White's oozing in the fucking background. He's hyped up because he knows this shit's about to deliver. I'm interested to see the pay-per-view buys. And like Izzy said, he's really paved the path for Pierre to be at Pieta to be able to do this and other kickboxers. This is the fight that Dana wanted, but I'm all here for it. I'm fucking pumped. Potan Pieta 
is a fucking problem. It's not like he's just earning this and he's in a slump, right? To me, though, this fight's really simple. It comes down, can Alex finish Izzy? We know he has the power in that left hand. That left hand is a fucking problem. But can he find his spots? Can he set up his movements? Can he find a way in the MMA cage, not kickboxing, in the octagon, with the cage, all the different fucking aspects, to land that left hand? Izzy's obviously awfully familiar with that left hand in the worst ways. But it's going to be really interesting. Izzy's fought a lot of fucking powerful guys. He just fought the Killer Gorilla, Jared Cannonier, crazy power. Robert Whitaker, Bobby Knuckles, crazy power. Paula Costa, Yoel Romero, all crazy power. But they couldn't land. They couldn't have Izzy at range and fucking tee off. And Izzy usually found his way for a decision. He kept at range. He played smart. He's got the IQ. He's the style bender. I think we're going to get a lot more action than the, the, the Cannoneer fight. But, again, we'll see if he can do it. Israel has a kickboxing background. He trains out of city kickboxing. It's a stacked card for the squad. He has a purple belt in BJJ. He is a former King of the Ring kickboxing champion. The 2016 uh, Glory Middleweight Tournament winner. The 2017 Fight of the Year in kickboxing against Alex Pieta. He has five successful title defenses. The most knockdowns in a UFC title fight with four. And the second most title fight wins in UFC middleweight division history was seven. And he is the 2018 Newcomer of the Year. The 2019 Fight of the Year against Kelvin Gastelum. He was the 2019 Male Fighter of the Year. And 15 of his 23 wins are via knockout. He is technically only on a three-fight winning streak because he moved up to be champ champ. Got defeated by Blakovich, but really in the weight class, he's undefeated. Alex, he's an orthodox fighter. He trains at a Teixeira MMA. He's a black belt in kickboxing. He was a glory champion at light heavyweight and middleweight with five defenses. He's on a six-fight winning streak. Five of his six wins are via knockout. And two of his last three fights have been performance of the night. We're about to see a show. Again, it only takes one left from Pieta, but I'm betting on the last style bender. I hope Alex pushes the pace and forces Izzy to be active. We get an MSG fucking showdown. This has been hyped up for two years. Let's fucking see it go down. We finally get to see it. All the craziness, all the fucking energy, but I'm going with Izzy. I'm putting him on that parlay. We etching that in. And we getting that bread. And what a fucking card, man. Holy shit. I mean, the last three fights, bonkers. Frankie Edgar's retirement. Dan Hooker's in desperation mode. Riddell pretty much is too for city kickboxing. Dominic Reyes' return. Molly McCann is a plus 300. I just want to see what happens. Petrosky Wellington, two guys in their prime. Uh, a veteran women's fight. Two guys in their prime, Trezano and Choi, that have to win. Um, Olberg and Niga Moranu, Olberg part of city kickboxing, pretty much in like, you know, must win territory. This card has the storylines. It's worth the 70 bucks or whatever the hell we have to pay. I know you can stream it, but I don't want my shit lagging out. I'm tuning in and, uh, yeah, um, 
I'm fucking hyped up. After this, I didn't mark it down. After this, we got... I think one more week. We got another Fight Night card in the Apex. Headline by Derek Lewis and Sergey Spivak with a 1 p.m. Pacific main card start. So early start. And then we have the holidays off before the first Saturday in December. Wonderboy Thompson, uh, Big Mouth, Kevin Holland, no Apex fight in Orlando. So enjoy this. A fight night card next week. We got the holidays. And then back to some UFC action. And lastly, I don't want to forget this just happened today. I didn't put it in my notes. I've had a fucking day. I've had a day, you know what I mean? Um, Cain Velasquez gets a million dollar bill. Is a fucking free man. Well deserved. What a fucking story. I can't believe that he had to deal with that shit. And he, you know, he is where he deserves to be. And that's with his family. So um, I'm really excited to see that. But really excited for the fights this weekend. I'll send out my picks. Let's get some fucking bread. Episode 108. We back in the studio in Phoenix, Arizona. See you next week.